The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. We will be discussing men's issues, dating, relationships, sex, women, fitness, health, business, men's hobbies, men's rights, and more. She will be talking about excerpts from her men's book, Mastering Women 2. Google KMET Advocate and save to your favorites every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. Calling all men. It's now your time for your show with your coach, The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. Relax, be heard, and be understood. It's a show where men can be men. Now here's the coach who has your back, Linda Gross. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show. You're on with me, your host, Linda Gross. I'm so excited to have you here today. We're trying out a new format, and I'm wanting to move the show into a more interactive direction, so I'm really thrilled that a lot of you will uh, choose to participate today. We have a very good topic today. It's going to be easy to hop on board. I'm sure you or someone you know has been in this category, so let's hop right to it, shall we? Today, we are talking about being a human ATM. You think you are doing a good deed and maybe you get taken for a ride instead. Uh, We're going to talk today about what inspired today's show. It's about a stepdad who bails out of his uh, stepdaughter's wedding. So you You're going to need to listen to find out why. And I would like you guys to call in, um, tell us your stories about when you were in this position where you thought you were doing a good deed and you got taken advantage of. Um, Yeah, so let's hear his letter. He wrote wrote a letter to um, a social media site, and uh, here it is. And he says, and I quote, My stepdaughter will be getting married on August 3rd. For the past six months, the wedding planning has consumed most of her and her mother's life. Though we've lived together for the last 10 years, her mother and I aren't married. My stepdaughter graduated last December from university. I paid for her to go to college. Though it was a state school, it still ran 40000 ran up a debt of $40,000. She does not have a job and has been living with us for the duration of her college career and since her graduation. I also bought her a car to get back and forth from school when she finished high school. From time to time, her deadbeat father would pop into her life and she would fawn all over him. Although he has not contributed a single cent to her education or paid any child support, she still loves him and wants him back in her life. He stays long enough to break her heart by skipping town or breaking some promise that he previously made to her. The wedding venue holds 250 people max. I gave them a list of 20 people that I wanted invited. You know, since I was paying for everything. They told me that was no problem and they would take care of it. 
So I let these people know that they would be getting an invite and they should save the date. Saturday, I saw one of my friends on this list at the golf course and asked if he was coming. He told me that he wasn't invited. He told me that he got an announcement, but not an invitation. He happened to have it in his back seat and showed it to me. Sure enough, it was just an announcement. And my name was nowhere on it. It had her dad's name and her mom's name, but my, not my name. This led, led to a pretty big fight with my girlfriend as I found out that none of my list of 20, quote, made the cut for the final guest list because I was told 250 people is very tight. I was pissed, but not a hell of a lot I could do because of the important people in my life. I had already been offended. My girlfriend said if some people didn't RSVP yes, she might try to get a couple of my people in. But that was the ultimate slap in my face because in my opinion, I was beyond boiling to this comment. Yesterday, we had a Sunday dinner with the future in-laws family, and surprise, surprise, the real dad shows up. At this dinner, my stepdaughter announced that her real dad was going to be able to make it to her, her wedding, and now that he'd be able to give her away. This was greeted with a chorus of, oh, how great, and a few, how wonderfuls. I don't think I have ever felt so angry and so disrespected. I was shaking. I took a few seconds to gather my composure because honestly, I wasn't sure if I would cry or start throwing punches or both. Once I was sure to be able to speak, I got up from my chair and said, I'd like to make a toast. I'd like to make a toast. The sound of spoons against glasses are still ringing in my ears as I tell you this story. It has been my great pleasure to be part of this family for the last 10 years. Aw, oh, how sweet, they all said. Open quote, at this point in my life, I feel I owe a debt of gratitude to the bride and groom because they have opened my eyes to something very important. Confident smiles exchanged all around the room. They have showed me that my position in this family is not what I once thought it was. And now a glimmer of confusion and shock begins to spread on the faces in the room. Open quote. Though I, though I once thought of myself as the patriarch or godfather of the family, commanding great presence and sought out for help in times of need, it seems instead that I hold a position of an ATM. Good for a stream of money, but not much else. I have been replaced as host, both on invitations and in the ceremony. I am resigning my financial duties as host to my successor, the real dad. So cheers to the happy, happy couple and the path that they have chosen. As I finished my drink, I, I put down my drink and I said, you all can let yourselves out.
Is this selfish? Am I supposed to shell out 40 to 50 grand for a wedding that I can't even invite anyone to, that I'm not even a part of? I am so done with this crap. I'm done with my stepdaughter. I'm done with my girlfriend. I transferred the money out of our joint, out of our joint account last night. She has not held a job since she moved in with me, by the way. This morning, I called all the vendors I had written checks to for deposits to refund my money. At present, it looks like I'll lose about $1,500 for the venue, but the other vendors have all been great sports about refunding my deposits. As I thought to myself, you want your real dad to be on the invitation to give you away and to sit at the head table? Fine. Your real dad can pay for everything, too. The immediate aftermath was tantrum, and people were sitting there mumbling while not actually saying anything to me, but to each other. After much yelling with the girlfriend about my being selfish, I spent the night in my home office, and no one even knocked on my door. Not even once. Today's aftermath is kind of depressing for me. The girlfriend brought me the bride's wedding planner to show me how much work I was ruining. I thumbed through it, found a page in the music section for the father-daughter dances. All of the songs were catered to the real dad's tastes. So I thought they were just being disrespectful. But now I'm feeling like they never really gave a crap at all especially since the menu included two ingredients that I'm allergic to that actually made me laugh. Either way, I'm glad to be done. I returned the planner and asked her when she and the bride could move out. Also, I promised to pay for the wedding. I offered them the use of my home when they were sure it was going to be a small party. But other than that... All I've heard is how the bride's family, uh, it's the bride's family that should pay. So, to me, let the bride's family then pay, not me. Fast forward a few months. The girlfriend and bride are now moved out. They are moving in with the groom. It was hard for me not to be petty to win some of their belongings. Um, Not to be petty with some of their belongings belongings that they took with them but it's done and I switched out the locks and now it's time for a brew I can't believe how popular this story got but I feel good to be given support by so many if I find out what happens with the wedding I will let you know but I cannot guarantee that I will put in the effort to find out from what I've heard they're trying to quote unquote scale things back and they got his parents to help out. The girlfriend continued to burn bridges when I found out that she tried to write herself a check from our joint account the day after the unpleasantness. By then, smartly, I had already moved the money. So who's the bigger ass now? Thank you for listening. All right, so that was a letter that inspired uh, today's talk about do you feel like 
you know, a human ATM. I think that we have a caller on the line. Uh, George, is that you? Do we have you on the line? Yes. Hi, George. You, Welcome Linda? to the show. Thank you for calling. So what Thanks do you think about me. this letter? Well, um, I've, I've seen a lot of this in my professional life as a workers' compensation attorney. I don't do those kind of cases anymore, but I see a lot of this. Um, every time I had difficulty convincing a client to accept the settlement, it was always a significant other who got in the way. It was never the client himself. It was always a significant other person who thought it wasn't enough money. Okay? So this is right. not unusual at all, I don't think. Plus, um, I had one client in particular who was uh, a longstanding friend of mine, and um, he married a girl who was extremely attractive, okay, but I think had spent most of her life getting her way with people and manipulating them and getting them to do what she wanted uh, at whatever whim. And whenever you know somebody actually stood up to her and said no, she took it as some type of personal affront, and just as was, was the case in the story that she read, just threw a tantrum like you wouldn't believe. I mean, it would, it, there was hell to pay if you said no to this lady. And it was truly incredible. It was really sad to see what she did to my friend. I like how these, how these people seem to make the person who's doing the good deed the guilty party. Like, you know, in, in this guy's letter, he, she says something like, well, look how much time the daughter spent on it, and you're ruining the whole party, as if it's the guy's fault. The person that's doing the good deed, it's always their fault. They never take ownership of what their part in this whole transaction is. I don't know if that happened with your clients as well, but they well, have a really sure. good way of manipulating the situation to yeah. where it's the other person's fault and not theirs. Well, that's, that's, that's part of the con. I mean, part of the con is to lay a, a guilt trip on the mark in order to get them to, to be more malleable in that sense. And um, I, I see this sort of thing all the time. And I've seen it in my personal life, too, because at the beginning of my career as an attorney, I did some criminal cases, and people would come to me for bail money. And I don't know if you've, any of your listeners have any experience with this, but you absolutely never, ever lend bail money to anybody for any reason, okay? What do you think happens in a situation where you pay to bail somebody out of jail? The person skips, who's out the money? It's not him, it's you. It's your money that's gone. Oh, absolutely. So, <laughs> so you know, uh, uh, you get some seasoned criminals who are, who are used to this and used to manipulating the game a little bit. Sure, they'll come to you for bail money. And I even worked for a guy who used to loan his clients bail money. And uh, he lived to regret it more often than not. I think he probably won't be in business too long if he continues to lend out bail money. Yeah, um, but that's... It, 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 sort of a caveat to your listeners that if you ever run into that situation, absolutely don't do it. I mean, it, the, and the, the thing that, that struck me about this story is, although it didn't quite hang together, and um, it is, it's something that really isn't gender specific, okay? Um, there are men who do this to women, too. So um, I, hopefully the, the listeners, the audience, don't get the impression that, that this is something that's exclusive to one gender or the other because it is, you know, con men and gold diggers and, and scammers come in all shapes and sizes, and it's something that's certainly not gender specific. I mean, this is the way you see women do it, but, but men do it too in different ways. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, call it a con artist or a manipulator, you know, 
<laughs> these people are out there regardless of gender. You're absolutely right. Yeah, so, and, you know, I'm and, surprised that this guy lasted 10 years with this girlfriend. I mean, it's, yeah, was, you know, there must the, have been something that held him back for, from proposing. Usually, most guys do propose in a year or two. So, 10 years and, is a pretty, uh, pretty long time. So, he must have had was, some gut feeling about her and this family. That was one of the things about the story that didn't hang together to me, why, would, why he would stay with, for her, with her for 10 years but, but not want to marry her. I mean... I guess he saw just enough red flags to, to not want to get married, but um, there was enough there for him to want to stay for 10 years. And the other part of the story that didn't hang together to me was that there was no formal arrangement for child support between mom and the deadbeat, because um, what I think happened is that there was at least an informal arrangement between them, but since the child support was sporadic and, you know, wasn't enough for her to live on, um, but when the money came, she more or less stashed it and hid it from, from stepdad. That's probably that, that's my guess as to what really happened. You mean she took the money under the table so she wouldn't have to declare it on her taxes or something? Well, if it's child support, it's not taxable to her. It's, it, it's the the payor pays the the income tax on it when it's child support. It's not so when it's alimony, but um, she probably hid it from stepdad because the payments were sporadic and you know obviously wasn't a real contribution to the household. So. She probably um, hid the either, she probably hid the money from stepdad and either spent it on herself or or, or put it in a separate account that he didn't, didn't know about. Oh, hid guesses. the money from the stepdad. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Right. While they while they were together. Right, right. It it is fairly uh, unusual that there is no child custody arrangement. I, I, I do agree with you on that. I mean, what the the guy is a total deadbeat and he's like never making any money ever. I mean, is yeah. that how you get out of child support? Or she claimed to, you know, have 100% custody, so he was written out of the deal. How, how does one get in that position where there's no child support at all? Yeah, uh, she probably she probably could waive it or or just simply not enforce uh, a child support decree that was um, imposed by a court. I mean, unless she complains to the DA that he's in arrears or is drawing welfare from the county, the DA is not going to know about it. They've got to. Yeah, the family support division of every DA in every county. I mean, they're over, they're swamped, they're overwhelmed with, with caseload. They're not going to have time to, ch- to chase them down. Right. So what would you advise to our uh, listeners, to our male, our, primarily our male audience, if they, you know, have a gut reaction to something, if they start seeing one or two or three or five, you know, red flags, what should they do? I mean, uh you know, how, I mean, to, to wait right. 10 years, I mean, I'm sure yeah. there must have been a boatload of red flags ahead of 10 years. Trust your gut reaction. It's usually right. And it's, at any, and it's too bad for this gentleman that he had to, that had to go to this extreme for, for him to finally lose it. Um, but, you know, evaluate your relationship. What are you getting out of it? What are you putting into it? When it's as one-sided as that, okay, I, I really question whether or not, you know, anybody... With, with any kind of smart, would stay in a relationship that long if it was that one-sided, okay? There are plenty of good women out there and you, with whom you can have a much more symbiotic two-way relationship, okay? You don't need to stay in situations like this. 
Yeah, it's it's a lesson that I had to learn myself, actually. Um, I'm very much a giver. I'm very, very trusting. And the important lesson that took me decades to learn is to seek balance. That if there is no reciprocity, something is wrong with the relationship. If you're always, I mean, it's good to be the patriarch. It's good to, you know, uh, help others out. It's good to be generous and kind. That's all fine. But there has to be some sort of reciprocity to it. Otherwise, you are opening yourself up to being taken. I do recall a situation with my wife and um, her in-laws, um, or my in-laws, rather. Um, they came to us to borrow a substantial sum of money that was well to five figures. This is probably about 10 years ago. And um, first, at my assistance, but my wife was 100% behind it. Make them sign a promissory note, okay? Because between family members, I give them the money. It's presumed to be a gift. But I have a promissory note where they promise to repay it and, and especially help to have a due date on it. Then I can have it characterized as a loan, which gives me a couple of advantages. First of all, if it's over the gift tax limit, I don't have to pay gift tax. And second of all, if they default on me and don't pay me back, I can write it off as, on my income tax as a bad debt expense. So if ever you intend to loan money to a family member, treat it as a loan and get a promissory note in writing. They sign it and they put a due date on it. Okay. Otherwise, consider it a gift. Right. So you're saying in this instance with the college education or buying her a used car or in this case the wedding, you know, all yeah, of these should have had uh, documents that go along with them that yeah, he, give some sort of accountability to the daughter. Yeah, he, he's pretty much stuck on all of that. That's money right. that I'll never get back. And, gotcha. let it be a, and let it be a hard lesson to him. Yep, I hope I hope he learned his lesson. <laughs> I hope he doesn't get in this situation again. Thank you so much, George, for calling in. I really appreciate it. Um, if you would like to chime in on this topic, you're, if you've just joined us, you're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. You too can call in at nine five one nine two two thirty five thirty two nine five one nine two two thirty five thirty two. Thank you, George. We'll see you next time. Okay, Brett, let's take a quick commercial, and when we come back from commercial, we're going to be talking to Gerard. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. Hey guys, want to go from cocky and confused to confident in four sessions or less? Linda Gross has done years of academic research combined with interviewing over 20,000 men. Tackle relationship issues, business goals, conflict resolution, and lifetime roadblocks that have kept you back. Realize the benefits now. Go to the Men's Advocate page slash coaching and you'll be on your way. That's www.themensadvocate.com slash coaching.
The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. We will be discussing men's issues, dating, relationships, sex, women, fitness, health, business, men's hobbies, men's rights, and more. She will be talking about excerpts from her men's book, Mastering Women 2. Google KMET Advocate and save to your favorites every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. We proudly rejoin our programming with The Men's Advocate Show with your host, Linda Gross. On KMET, 1490 AM, Smart Talk. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. We are talking today about being a human ATM. Do you think that you're doing a good deed and all of a sudden you find out that you've been taken for a ride, you've been taken advantage of? All right, so uh, our caller, Gerard, would like to chime in on this topic. Welcome, Gerard. Thank you for calling the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. So what inspired um, you about this letter to uh, call today? Well, um, I'm, I'm looking at it from a different point of view here. It's not always somebody who's actually trying to take advantage of anybody. Um, I have a, quite a few friends who are single mothers. And, you know, when you're dating a single mother, you, the child is included. And uh, sometimes when you want to make it work and... Uh, you have to include her and treat her as your own child, which is understandable. But um, in my particular case, um, I met somebody through a, a mutual friend, and she had a four-year-old daughter, and we hit it right off, and we became really good friends. Um, it never progressed to the marriage point. She was uh, living in another country, and I was here in America. So neither one of us wanted to relocate, so we just remained friends. But I kept in touch with her and her daughter. And um, I helped them out when I can, when they needed my help. But um, there were certain things that I found out later on were, that um, didn't track well. Things like um, I found out when I sent birthday gifts and Christmas gifts. She was actually telling um, the child that it was coming from her natural father, not from me. Oh, dear. But, yeah, so later on, when I finally got a chance to speak to her about it and told her what was really going on, she and her mother had uh, huge fights about it. And her mother and I didn't talk for years, but I kept in touch with her. So it's not always someone who's always just trying to take advantage of you. Sometimes they're just in a situation and it goes bad. Um so I, I wouldn't say that, I'd say this particular story, this guy, you know, if he was living with her for that long, he should have known better at that point. But, you know, I knew this friend for um, well, over the amount of time, but we just never got married because we couldn't come to an agreement. But it, you try to do the right thing and, and by both her and the child, and you just have to sometimes just take your chance. 
So you had this conversation about the Christmas gift with the child or with the mother? Well, with uh, both of them. Because actually I found out from uh, the mutual friend that introduced us that he was like, wow, you know, I couldn't believe that this guy finally stepped up and bought her this, this, and this. I said, what are you talking about? I bought that stuff. Wow. And when I confronted her about it, she um, denied that it happened. But when I spoke to the daughter, she believed me and was very upset with her mother. So, so what were your feelings about the uh, the mother after she, you know, boldly denied it? Well, basically, she her excuse was that she got back in touch with the, the natural father after years, and she was just trying to make things work and make the whole transition, so to speak, easier. Hmm. The whole transition from, from what to what? Well, the thing was, at the time, the, um, the natural father was married to somebody else, but now that he was single, she was hoping things would get back, she'd be able to get back with him. Oh, boy. Boy, I that didn't puts know all you that even in a worse uh, position. Right. But I didn't know that at the time, and neither did the daughter. So. Wow. Well, I'm glad at least one of them listened to you, the daughter listened to you. Yes. And um, to this day, I'm still in touch with his daughter. She's married now. She has her own child. And um, it's just a matter of it wasn't that I didn't have any, you know, ridiculous hopes, and I didn't go in there with blind with blinders on. But it, these things happen, and sometimes in relationships. Wow. So knowing you what you know now, open. would you have handled mm-hmm. the situation? with the Christmas gift or with the with the mother any differently? Um, at the time, I really didn't have a choice. You know, it, it, was, it seemed like the right decision. It was, you know, I, I sent the gifts down to a, because they live in Mexico, so I sent the gifts down to a um, UPS location, and they picked it up. So I just wanted to surprise the family. I didn't want to send it directly to the house and, and um, spoil the surprise. But I thought at least she would have given me credit for getting the gifts. So. Wow. Uh, it breaks my heart to hear this story. It really does. Um, you're, you're, quite a, you're quite a gentleman, and um, you, know, you sound like a really good guy, and to be treated in this manner, I really feel for you. Well, I, I, like I said, you know, I thought these things could have worked out. I went back down there for like um, two weeks when she had her quinceanera. Um, down there in Mexico, it's a big thing. It's almost like a wedding. Mm -hmm. And um, I ended up paying for the entire thing. And that caused other problems in the relationship, which I think was like the last straw, basically. When I went down there, she was in tears when I went by the house, and she was like, well, Mom handled all the people who invited, and it was like 90% of the people were her mother's friends, not hers. So I ended up increasing the size of the venue, and she was able to invite all her friends. Hmm. Wow. And that was basically the How long did you I stay with the mom? Um, it was on and off for about five years. Wow. The big thing was I didn't want to leave New York, and she didn't want to leave Juarez, so... I'm sorry, she didn't want to lose what? 
she didn't want to leave Mexico. The mom didn't want to leave or the daughter didn't want to leave? The mother didn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. And the daughter was basically caught in between us. Wow, wow, wow. I don't know. If I were walking in your shoes, I'd have a hard time trusting people again. <laughs> uh, it sounds like you're very well balanced and you've moved past this, but uh, I've got to tip my hat to you. Kudos to you. Well, it was, it was like I said, it was, it was the mother who was more of the, pardon the expression, gold digger type. Right. There was actually times when I, I would send money down and, you know, the daughter would actually tell me, don't send the money. Hmm. Wow. Thank you, Gerard, for sharing your story. I really appreciated your calling today. Um, If you'd like, uh, let's see. Oops, I've got someone else coming on in just a moment. All right. So if you would like to join in on this conversation, you're welcome to call us at 951-922-3532. 951-922-3532. You're listening to the Men's Advocate Show. We're talking about the human ATM. Um, let me uh, take a, let's take a quick break, uh, Brett, and we'll come back on with Larry, who's our next caller. Thank you so much. You've had a long day. You just want to escape the world. And you know just the place to do it. Round up your mates and head on over to Henson Brewing Company. Burbank's first craft brewery. Quality, complexity, and always easy to drink. Follow our progress and support us on Facebook and Kickstarter. Coming winter 2016. Henson Brewing Company. Come as you are. Hi guys, you've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show. Linda Gross wants you to know what turns a woman on and makes her go wild so she just can't help herself. Check out Linda's book, Mastering Women, real truth about women that'll change your life forever. Linda gives you all the insider tips on how to catch a woman and if you want, to keep her. In four easy steps, these proven techniques will make women just melt. Ever wonder why the girl you really liked seemed to be great when you met, then all of a sudden just goes cold on you and turns you off? Linda will also let you know what not to do on a date. Never blow it again by losing another hot woman. You don't have to be good looking or even have money. Her book, Mastering Women, is available in paperback and ebook. Men, Linda's on your side. So buy her book, Mastering Women. Buy it for now. And don't keep your women waiting another minute. Get Mastering Women today. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. Now back to the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross on KMET 1490 AM. Where men can be men. 
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. I'm so excited today because we have uh, tons of callers. The lines are busy, and I'm super excited. I want to thank everybody who's trying to call in. If you're getting a busy signal, just hit me up on Facebook, and we'll try to squeeze you in. Right now, we're going to go to John. John, thanks for joining our show. Hi, Linda. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, thank you. So, were you inspired by by this article to uh, call in? Yes, I was, as a matter of fact, and I, I responded online as well. It was, uh, I think, it's a subject that a lot of men, and particularly if you make a good living, have faced it one time or another. Um, and that is, well, the old, to use lack of a an older term, gold diggers. Women right. that are, you know, they're, they're, they're seeking out a man for financial benefit. And, uh, and it, it can be a pretty hurtful, it can be a hurtful thing and a, and a hard lesson to swallow when you, uh, get hit with something like that. But, uh, in this case, I, I just, uh, it's funny, I was just rereading, and I, I was listening to you as you, you added some stuff that I don't think was initially on the initial posting, and I, um, I, I was kind of absorbing all that and, and, and thinking about it, and the, the whole thing sounds a little off to me, as you stated earlier, that, I mean, 10 years they're together, and he's claiming true love, but they're not married, and she's not working, which I might have thought could have been because of a child support issue, but apparently she's claiming no child support, so that wouldn't have been an issue. And I, I don't know. I, I think I think clearly. Well, I think she, she claimed in the. I think the the letter writer claimed in the original report that um the the real dad quote unquote was not paying child support so uh my first caller he happened to have been an attorney so we talked a little bit about that a little bit earlier right but maybe she was receiving child support she just wanted to shield that money from you know the the letter writer yep that that may very Which well is more be shenanigans if you ask me i mean it's like shen- lots of, there are lots of episodes of shenanigans and you know, uh, unfair play. Yeah, it's uh, like I said. The whole thing sounded a little sounded a little odd to me uh, on both behalfs. But I, I have seen this. Uh, I've seen this thing a number of times, not just with myself, but with other people. That's this. You know, I don't know. I guess it really irritates me because, in my humble opinion, I mean, and a lot of this gender war or or I I guess a, a preferable statement would be this gender equality struggle that we're seeking, one of the areas we're failing in is 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 in areas like this because I don't know how much the laws have changed recently, but she may very well, after being with him for ten years, she may be able to speak seek common law wife or may be able to seek palimony. Um, you know, she has some potential, you know, there may be some legal ramifications for him there in this situation. Right. 
Um, I recently heard from one of my listeners in Canada that if you live together for only as little as six months in Canada, uh, they do accept and uh, look at common law, meaning that the guy, <coughs> excuse me, the guy would have to have some sort of financial involvement if they should separate after the six months. Um, I'm not sure uh, in California. I think they did away with palimony, you know, with the Marvin versus Marvin trial back in the 70s. I'll have to have one of my attorneys chime in on that. But I don't think um, just living together anymore, or at least in the state of California, um, the, the guy has any responsibility. But uh, if you're an attorney, you're listening to this, chime in, let us know uh, where the palimony laws uh, stand right now. Yeah, so have so, you have you ever been in this situation where you thought you were doing a good deed and got taken advantage of, and the girl, uh, the woman had, you know, other plans in mind? Oh, oh, clearly. Uh, my son was uh, uh, born to a, a similar situation. Uh, I was helping I was helping her out, and she was claiming that you know she was having a lot of problems with her roommates and and that they were stealing from her and a lot of stuff. And I agreed. I, I worked a lot of hours, was gone, had a bigger home on the Hudson River in upstate New York. Plus, I was also still involved at that time with the uh, Army Reserves, and I was uh, working as much as eight ten days a month with them so i was gone a lot and i thought well i'll help her out and and it did involve into a sexual relationship and and ultimately she ended up pregnant right away within i think it was two months and um long story short uh after finding out that there was money disappeared from my bank accounts and there was a lot of other stuff going on um, it turns out that after I had got her out of the house, um, I found her little diary and notes and she had planned the whole thing. She had actually been taking, um, herbs and stuff to try to conceive and, she had specifiedly picked me out to meet criteria. She wanted somebody that was close to six feet tall, had a good family. She had a whole page, a list of criteria that I had met. I had literally been picked out, selected. And uh, that was kind of a, um, and ultimately through my son and her running off, and, and you know, it's cost me, I, I don't know, over $100,000 and, and it was a it was a nightmare, and it it affected me a lot. Thinking that when I found that diary, it was oh six eight months after she left. It was hidden in one of the uh, in my son's room. And when I found that, that was a very startling reality check that somebody could be that manipulative. To I do bet that. you I bet you had a huge pit in the whole in your stomach. Oh, uh, I, I just, well, you know, I, I guess for, from being a man that's, you know, fairly well educated and having spent time in the military and gone through, I spent a number of years in special forces. And, um, I think one of the biggest things that was me was how foolish I felt. 
and how stupid and to think it was really a reality check to think, wow, I, I you know, I was really taken. And I, and I, and I had really seen myself as this, you know, of course at that time I was only 31 years old when my son was born. I was about 34, I think, by the time I figured everything out, 33, 34. And but I really felt that that was one of the hardest parts. And then later the ramifications came about that I realized that I've had trust issues based on that, which, you know, it's uh, I denied it for a lot of years, but it's become a little more obvious as I've become older that obviously I'm very cynical about uh uh, relationships. I tend to, you know, watch them very closely. Right. Well, thank you so much, John, for your call today. I have a, another caller holding. Um, I really appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. And um, thanks for sharing your story. I'm sure it meant a lot to our listeners today, to me and the listeners. All right, we'll see you next time, John. Um, when we come back in just a moment, uh, we're going to take a call from Larry, uh, and he's going to tell us his tale. Uh, our call-in number is 951-922-3532. We are talking about being a human ATM. Have you ever uh, been in a situation where you are doing a good deed and get taken for a ride. While we're waiting for uh, Larry to call in, let me do a couple of uh, upcoming announcements. Um, I'm going to be at the LA Times Festival of Books coming up on uh, April 9 and 10 from 10 to 5. I'll be in booth 381. That's booth 381. I hope you will join me. Um, there are tons of authors there, but in addition to that, uh, there, are, there are cooking shows and food booths and travel and live music and all kinds of fun things. If you happen to mention uh, that you heard me on, on this show on KMET, I will give you a free book digital book when you uh, come to uh, my booth and that'll be uh, Mastering Women, a free digital version of Mastering Women. All right, and then uh, the, another announcement is for next week's show, uh, you'll have to do appointment listening. You're going to be on with my guest Roger Allen Curry. Um, he is the host of Mode One. He's a very popular um, dating coach. And uh, we're going to do Double Trouble. So he will be on my show, which is March 23rd. Uh, he'll be on my show on March 23rd, and I will be on his show uh, March 24th. So listen for all the listen and read all the updates on my Facebook fan page. Same name as the show, the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. We're going to be talking about the effectiveness of uh, erotic dirty talk with women and how to quickly identify manipulative time wasters <laughs> that's what i call this woman uh in this uh in this letter at the top of the hour uh she is a manipulative time waster worse than time waster i mean i think he's kind of getting a little more generic with that term but you know the, these were evil spirited women who who do such things all right i understand that uh larry is on the line um i'm going to bring on Ernie as well. I think Ernie is on the line as well. Why don't uh, Ernie uh, say hello to the audience? Hello, everybody. I'm glad to uh, hear these callers. They're great calls. I know. They're awesome. Let me uh, give you a second chair for now. I'm going to bring uh, Larry in. Let's hear his story, and you're welcome to uh, ask questions of Larry as well. Welcome, Larry. Thank you for coming to the show. 
Uh, good afternoon. Uh, I wanted to point out that uh, it's not always romantic partners that pull this stuff. I had a friend or a false friend, maybe, who, uh, you know, we got along pretty well. It was mostly on online friendship, but we'd met a few times, and I'd, you know, been to his place and actually stood up at his wedding. But um, he managed to wheedle uh, several expensive gifts out of me before I realized what was up. And when the gifts stopped, oh, boy, did he turn mean and ugly and nasty. So it's not just romantic partners who can pull that kind of thing. Why, why uh, did the gift stops? Did something... Well, I realized that he didn't or... care about me, that all he wanted was more presents, and he would conjure up excuses to demand another one. And when it went from a request to, demand, to a demand, I realized that, you know, the friendship wasn't really what was going on there. And I was disappointed. But is, did for something old, in your uh, gut tell you to stop the gifts, or did something yeah. happen, or, or yeah. explain that part? <laughs> well, it... it the tone of the conversation changed, and I can't really point to any one particular moment when it happened, but, you know, he started overstepping boundaries and, you know, requesting and demanding things and reacting angrily when he didn't get what he wanted, and then I realized that things had changed, and I haven't been able to repair it with him, and I don't really expect to. Uh, now he is engaging in a low-level text message harassment campaign and occasionally uh, uh, caller ID blocked phone calls, but they're always him. And I can deal with those, but they're pretty ugly too. Anyway, um, the reason I actually posted this original story to the group that you picked it up from was because it reminded me of uh, an apocryphal story. Uh, uh, it's been, this one's been going around for a while, but, um, the way it worked, it seemed, here's a story, <laughs> a bride and a groom are at their wedding reception. Everything is going perfectly when the groom stands up to give a toast. He thanks all the guests for coming and for the stack of presents on the table, then thanks the father of the bride for the beautiful reception. He then tells the guests that he has a surprise for all of them. He instructs them to look under their chairs. They do and find a picture taped to the bottom of each seat. The guests are shocked and horrified. It's a picture of the bride and the best man having sex. The groom says he had a feeling they were having an affair and hired an investigator who took the photo. He then says to the father of the bride, thanks for the $30,000 sit-down dinner and party, but I'm out of here. And he walked out. He filed for an annulment the following Monday. Yeah, uh, anyway, it seems the father of the bride was the ATM in that story, although he didn't know it until later. Wow, uh, wow, fortunately, wow. I have faced with any of this kind of I like how they have creative ways in dealing with such hardship, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. Revenge is, is a dish best served cold, and that was a cold way to do it. Right. And, anyway, those and, are my and stories. And possibly the only way that you can get through to these people, because I think there's just something mentally wrong with them, is to do it by public shaming. And so the more public it is and the more people, you know, when you have, 
you know, what a hundred awes in the audience, like, oh my gosh, is that what happened? Yeah. You know, so uh, I think if you were to just sit down and have a one-on-one, much like the other caller, they just want to deny things, or or like the letter right. writer, um, you know, they just want to make you the guilty party, the person who's doing the good deed. They turn the Abusers tables always and they do get that. angry and at you, like you've wrecked everything, right. you've ruined everything. Oh, you know, she spent this amount of time, friend. you know. On everything, so yeah, I think one way to deal with it is public shaming. That does work. Uh, I don't know why we've gotten away from that. Uh, great show, Linda. Thanks a lot. Is that Larry? Oh. Brett, is Larry gone? All right. Thank you, Larry, for uh, calling into the show. Thank you to all my guests for calling in. Um, Ernie, are you still there? I'm here. Okay, cool. You can close out with me. All right. So um, so thank you to all of my uh, callers, uh, Larry, George, John, uh, Gerard, um, and also we have Ernie on the line. Ernie, chime in. You have a few seconds left. Do you have anything you want to say about the topic? Uh, real quick. I was an ATM for uh, a girl I had met upstairs from an apartment from mine. We became good friends, and then... Uh, I started helping her out financially, little by little, loaning her my SUV to go up to the mountains to go skiing. Uh, led up to me helping her pay her rent and pay pay her car and loaning her money. And I, I found out by mistake that she was dating an attorney all along. Oh, no. Yeah. Probably wow. using your car to get to him. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, on the, and on the computer that I bought her that's horrible alright everybody thank you so much for calling in Um, this was a great interactive show catch us next week we're going to have some more fun calls and uh, with uh, mode one Roger Allen Curry next